difficult, difficult, women. Good day to you, madam. Good day. How have thou been? Thou keeps going around the yard over and over again. <laughs> That's all we can do these days. Um, hi, I'm Marie. I'm Katie. This is the Difficult Women Podcast. Welcome. That's right. Oh, and together we make the musical comedy band Reformed Whores. Good point. I was listening to our podcast last week and we just kept talking about horse, 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 horse. And I thought, that's funny. If a new listener was just, you know, tuning in for the first time and did not know we were in a band called Reformed Horse, that would be a little wild. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> Speaking of our band, we have a Christmas song out and you should listen to it. I know we're getting, I mean, it's a holiday song. It doesn't have to be Christmas, but it's about the holidays. It's kind of Christmassy, but you know. <laughs> we do talk about Santa a little bit. Yep, yep. Definitely a little uh, Christian leaning. Sorry about that. But it is. It's not that Christian. What am I talking about? Anyway, <laughs> listen to it. It's going to maybe it might be on Spotify soon. <laughs> I mean, it was supposed it to be on Spotify yesterday. I, I haven't checked yet, actually. Actually, yet. I'll check right now. Right. You guys can hear me uh, with, you know, hear get excited disapp- or disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not on there. Oh, God. Up, here we go. Katie, is it here? Oh, oh yeah, it's here. It, it is. is. Ah, yeah. It is oh thank god this is very exciting okay <laughs> so you guys exciting. can now listen to it on uh spotify and tell your friends and put it on that's playlists. right it's on reformed horse spotify uh you can look us up but then also the name of the song is won't be ho ho home so share yeah. that with your friends put it on your holiday playlist send it to your uncle ted <laughs> please send it to your uncle ted <laughs> that's right <laughs> have you been uh you want the truth no <laughs> <laughs> no no i just want no, no. just happy happy things well as you all know i've been out in the burbs uh, i can't do it anymore so i've been looking at these very fancy luxury apartments uh in downtown nashville so i'm just trying to see if can i be a city liver in nashville in like a sky rise in, in, i've never lived in a luxury i've never i'm not a luxury person so it feels no. kind of weird. Are you how a luxurious person? Tall, no, I'm not. Um, how <laughs> m- tall are the buildings? Like, what's a like, skyrise in, in Nashville? Forty? Mm, I don't know. Fifty? A hundred? Don't like that. No. Nope. Up there? Way nope. up there? Don't like. You it. can like see the curvature of the earth. That's cool to visit. I don't want to live up. That I tall. know. See, I that's like kind of where I am. I used to work I- for this lady who was on the thirtieth floor. She lived up there, and uh, when the weather hit. You, they, oh. And it's supposed to do this, but you can feel the building swaying. Oh, no, no. And you feel like you're like on that. a boat or something. I don't know. Didn't like it. Did not like that. Oh. I, yeah, I, live I, in think... the, I live in the basement, so that just goes to show how I feel about it. I don't I'm know if that's person. why I'm in the basement right now, too. So that's why I wonder if that's why I'm trying to, like, spread my wings and fly to the top floor no, now. No, I mean, but... I think go for it. Try something new. Don't listen to me. Do what you want. Follow your dreams. But is it my dream, Katie? That's what I'm trying to figure out. You have to test it out to find out if it's your dream. But they make you sign a 14-month lease and I can't commit to anything. (laughs) (laughs) What about just like a house that's on the first floor? I think I'm going to go for that. Especially since my cat has, I finally let her outside for the first time in 12 years. Uh, Because she's been in my Brooklyn apartment for 12 years. And now that I've been here in the burbs, I let her. Oh, she loves it. Anyway. Yeah, maybe she got the chickens. Maybe she ate Can the chicken. <laughs> Tiny cat. <laughs> uh, you never know. <laughs> well, that's exciting. Uh, that's exciting news. I mean, is it? I don't know. I'm just excited to move out of the burbs. 
but that's just me. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. I've been working so much. I'm I'm just about done with my work, my chunk of work. Uh, <laughs> going into the holidays, we'll prob- we may have a shutdown in New York, so I might have a longer break than I was anticipating, but we'll find out. Mm. Um, my biggest news, and I think it might have something to do with our guest today, mm. but my biggest news right now is that last night mm. I had a dream mm. that I had a very full beard. A dark, like, full beard. And I loved it. I loved it. It wasn't, it was a good thing. I kept looking at myself in the mirror and being like, this beard is amazing. And near the end of the dream, people were trying to get me to shave it. And I was like, no, it looks good. I was like, I look good. I look damn good in this beard. I felt kind of hot. I did. And I was wearing like dresses and like sexy. But I had this big beard. I loved it. Oh, well, the winner of Univision a couple years ago was um, a trans woman with a beard. I, it, I think that like we're and it's entering, very attractive. Yeah. Yeah. We they, I'm get I'm like very into this new earth mm-hmm. that we're living in with this sort of thing. And there's a woman uh, on or there's a couple women on Instagram. I kind of fell down this rabbit hole a while ago. We may have talked about it at one point uh, that, have you know, because some women have facial hair naturally and we are so shamed out of having mm-hmm. anything like that, that then you're told you have to shave it. And the, this younger, newer generation of women are like, fuck that. Like, this is who I am. And there's this very beautiful woman who has quite a full beard who's on Instagram and she's like it's it's hot I don't know it may not be for everybody but like Mm -hmm. in the same way that some people like big butts and some people don't you know what I mean like when they're attracted to something but she's very attractive and she's like a I think she's a nice looking boyfriend and I don't know so I don't know I'm kind of into it now I sound like an old lady talking about it but um And and uh, uh, we were sort of screwing around in the studio the other day, and our we have a DP that's a guy, and he uh, we had some extra clothes lying around, and he put on this skirt, and we were all like, "You actually look great in that skirt!" <laughs> like it was, and he ah. we, he was supposed to be a joke, but it ended up being this like, maybe you should be like a skirt guy, you know? Oh, that's like I love a, thing a man. Now. And it was kind of hot. Like I was like, "You look legit, like cute mm. in that." So I don't know. I'm feeling it. I'm well, I don't think I beard. told you when I hiked the Appalachian Trail, we passed so many men in kilts. Mm. But like when you think about it, they're walking in the woods in a skirt. And I love nothing more than a man who's confident enough to like walk. I, mean, I you think know? partly it's the confidence, right? And yeah. I think same with the beard on a woman. It's mm. so co- the confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's what I was feeling in the dream, too. It's just like, I don't know. I was just I was like owning this beard. And it felt really good to like own yourself in that way. So anyway, everybody wow. own yourself. Yeah, it was good. Huh. Good dream. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I will say one of the things that was kind of amazing, though, is when the guy was wearing the skirt. I did not skirt. see this topic coming. No, I mean, I it just, I, you know, I, but our, this Sorry. guy that was wearing the skirt at work, uh, it was amazing, though, because within like 10 minutes of, he was like, yeah, I gotta like this. Like, whatever, I'll wear it for a little bit. And within like 10 minutes, he was like, where do you put your phone? Where do you put your like wallet? And I'm like, see, this is why ladies are always talking about pockets. And he was like, I had no idea. The oppression. I was like, I know. Oh. <laughs> I mean, like kind of opened his mind. He's like, this is crazy. I was like, I know. So maybe one thing we should all do is make men wear skirts for a little bit so they understand our plight. I think you just solved it. Yep, Thank I did. You. I solved it. You're welcome. Done. You won <laughs> 2020. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, our fans are really going to thank us today because we have a very special guest. We're both so excited that he was available because he's a very, very busy man. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, 
put your hands together for comedian, actor, producer, director, lawyer, <laughs> co-host of the incredible podcast called Fraudsters, exclusively on Spotify. He's absolutely one of my favorite men on the planet. <laughs> uh, it's Cena Gaznavi. Oh, my God. Well, that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. That was the best <laughs> the highlight for me. This is great. I should, oh uh, my... put, should I put boss, too? You're my boss, oh, kind of. Lord. <laughs> Collaborator, employer. He pays yeah. me. Job creator. Uh, yeah. Job creator. <laughs> that's right, folks. We have Cena Gaznavi here. He's one of our dear friends. I work with him uh, every week on the podcast Fraudsters. And he is here today coming to us live from Brooklyn. Yeah. We wanted to have you on to talk all things fraudsters. But first, we have to let the audience know who the fuck you are. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they probably know already because you're so famous. But, Jesus, you know. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> unless my mother is a fan. <laughs> I don't know. Is She's, she difficult? Is she a difficult woman? Let me tell you. She, you guys stole this show from her. <laughs> she actually... Pitched this show years ago as a, you know, Iranian immigrant comes to the America, tries to make it work in the big city, settles in Pittsburgh, raises kids. Oh my God. Well, so yeah, so you grew up, your parents are immigrants from Iran, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm an immigrant kid. My parents are from Iran. My older brother is eight years older than me. It's just the two of us. And he's a plastic surgeon. And... <laughs> I chose the righteous path of doing, I guess, from that intro, everything else but plastic surgery. <laughs> so. Were you supposed to go a different route than the one that you've chosen? I mean, my parents really wanted me to be a real lawyer, but I chose to just get the student loan debt and become a lawyer <laughs> and never practice. So, it's the best you know, part of being a lawyer, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, all this useful knowledge to really understand how much the last four years has been terrible for American democracy. I have an acute understanding right. of how bad everything got fucked. Yeah. So that's always good. That's always good. Wait, when did you veer into comedy? Like, just uh, always? Yeah, at 18, I actually, I started doing stand-up in D.C. at Chief Ike's Mambo Room in Adams oh. Morgan. Uh, um, and so I was, like, interning at the Senate, and I was doing stand-up, oh. and then... That summer, home from Pittsburgh, I, I I won some contests and I got a manager. It was this huge, <laughs> this big dude named Big Mike, and he took oh. me to, to sign me. He took me to a strip club. I was like barely eighteen, Legit. and I never, I still to this day, I don't feel comfortable in strip clubs. I usually just have like a conversation with the stripper. I'm just like, how, how, what's your? I always ask them, what's your commute like? That's what I'm always interested in. <laughs> and so since then, and then like it was this weird, I went on like a local stand-up tour with, it was an all-black comedy show with a guy named High Octane. Another dude was named Frog. There was Big Mike, the manager. There was a guy who just got out of prison for homicide. I can't remember his name. He didn't like that I went, I blew the light on my one set, but... Anyways, that's how I started, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But wait, you started comedy, but then you, you did eventually go to law school. Yeah, so I mean, I did. That. Yeah, I did stand up all through college and stuff. I was an unpaid guy at the oh um, comedy uh, comedy store, uh, so I was working on the belly room and stuff. I did a semester abroad in Los Angeles. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, 
that that was like I loved stand up. I did improv as well. Admittedly, this is like confessional now. I did improv for a long time. <laughs> oh <which> no, <laughs> in Chicago <laughs> at IO. So like I did oh, a wow. lot of comedy before I even like was twenty six. I had like Comedy Central spot. I had like a commercial. I had a movie thing. And then I just partied and I had too much fun later in college. And I like, I didn't realize I was supposed to like keep it going. I was supposed to like mm. keep it rolling. And then, you know, slowly like things, you know, in this business, you get your highs and you get your lows. And I was just doing what I thought. I thought nothing was going to stop me. So <laughs> I was like in a play. I was doing things. And then, yeah, everything slowed down. And my, you know, you can only take so many crying phone calls and letters from your parents about how much of a oh. failure turning out to be before you're like, all right, well, I'll go to law school at night part-time because that's easier. And mm -hmm. so I started producing during the day and mm -hmm. that's where I, I'm at now. And so I don't really do stand-up anymore, but I do the radio, obviously, and fraudsters and we try to produce fun things and direct some cool things as well. Yeah, you're on Sirius Radio once a week? or Yeah, on Thursdays on the Karen Hunter Show, Channel 126. It's an awesome show. It's uh, an urban view. I get like, you know, I get to communicate and get exposure to, um, you know, a, a community that I don't normally get to, especially during a pandemic, you know? So I'm learning a lot about, you know, American history, black history. What's it? What's the, you know, experiences like uh, that uh, across America? Because there's callers from all over the country and oh so gosh. it's been probably one of the more rewarding experiences i've ever had in my career actually so very oh, grateful for that that's very cool yeah well, speaking speaking of rewarding for myself i've been had i've had the honor of working with you on fraudsters oh yeah love it this is your baby right yeah this is this is the baby you know you're <laughs> always wanting to get a thing that you could just do right uh, the show that you could just make how you want people don't really get in your way that you have an audience you know what i mean and so you get to like build your team and stuff and that's you know thank god that uh henry and marcus and ben became successful so that they could pull their <laughs> friends up yeah. and give them an audience as well <laughs> um so, you know, I always told Henry, you know, at times he would say, you know, you, you attached yourself to the wrong coattails. And I was like, nay, nay, I attached myself <laughs> to the appropriate white man's coattails. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think you're right about that. But I, it has been such a pleasure working with you, Marie. You have like such great taste in comedy. It's that's what I think is so comforting for me. Uh, as a person that's hosting a show and like writing the show and doing like a, a first edit on the show <laughs> that I can I can go to you and be like, what is was this funny? And you're like, no, no, just throw that out. Keep this. Do this next time. I'm like, thank you. That's what I need. So, well, it's such such fascinating content, too. So, guys, this is a podcast about fraud, people who do fraud. And I like your description on, so the last podcast on the left are our friends, Henry, Marcus, and Ben. And then Fraudsters is exclusively on Spotify and the last podcast network for our listeners that don't know. But the way that we describe it on the website is Fraudsters is an all-you-can-eat buffet of liars, cheaters, and scammers, hosts, Cena Gaznavi and Justin Williams, who is also a fellow comic who is hysterical. Uh, they cover every flavor of fraud you can imagine from fake psychic hotlines to corporations cooking the books. And this shit is 
crazy. It's insane. I, I'll say as a listener, I listen, <laughs> I, start, I listen to the Miss Cleo episodes. It is yeah. insane. And it's really great how deep you dive into these things because it'll be these people that are like kind of peripheral in our awareness that then you go, actually, this is what was really going on with these people. And you're like, oh, my God, that's nuts. We all think they're very sweet, funny. Oh, they're quirky con artists. So they're like really defrauding a bunch of people. And I think, you know, given what's uh, the the president we've had for the last four years, (laughs) like uh, fraudsters has been like something on my mind. And, you know, one of the things that Trump has always done has been like, you know, politics are corrupt, he says. We got to get rid of the, 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 you know, establishment politics. And politicians are corrupt, right? But like, (laughs) what line do we draw between uh, allowable level of like lying or corruption or whatever, you know, what is like, um, I don't, I just don't want to go to dinner with you kind of, kind of lie <laughs> versus I'm taking the working poor's like meaner right. dollars that they have left and asking them to donate it to me, the televangelist that's telling them if they donate it to me, then they will reap rewards tenfold from what they've given me. And so that, like ignited like a real fire inside of me and I got I, I just you know uh you guys know this in comedy one of the best things to write about as you guys you know the theme of the show write about what makes you angry right uh, <laughs> oh, yeah yeah <laughs> I got some great advice from Colin Quinn one time uh I got to go at a tough crowd and then I you know I knew a producer there and she took me backstage and Colin Quinn gave me this advice as he was taking his pants off and putting on new pairs of pants. He was changing <laughs> after the show in his box. He's got, hey, you know, write about what what makes you angry. And I'm like, okay, this is this is great. This is obviously before, you know, any sort of idea of me too ever came around. And it's just <laughs> I could have been so huge you got if I just was like, you know, by Colin Quinn. Yeah, yeah. Colin Quinn. <laughs> deep pant in front of me, no, but it was I actually it was great advice. So and you know, yeah. I think you guys do the same thing. I mean, the reformed horrors is all about the shitty things that men Oh yeah. <laughs> and yeah. men yep. have done and stuff. And you just there's so much fodder for you guys, just like there oh. is in fraudsters. Endless. Yeah, that's ex- really excellent advice. Actually, I never thought about it in those terms, but nice. <laughs> We just got to make sure that the filter comes, the comedy filter comes through, right? There's a lot of right. comedy today that's just just a little angry. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's got to be fun. Yeah. What I think is fascinating, uh, what you talk about on fraudsters, is that so many people are so concerned about, you know, the people stealing a person's pocketbook or, you know, selling a dime bag or, you know, the people, these little crimes. And then meanwhile... We have these white collar criminals stealing millions and millions and millions of dollars. And it's just happening almost just completely legally. They're just being able to find these loopholes that exist within the confines of our society and government and all that sort of stuff. Is it because they're smarter than us that they figured out the loopholes or they're just dumb enough to try it? (laughs) A little bit of both, Um, you know. With the the protests that happened over the summer, people were like, oh, my God, that Target store, upwards of $100,000 of damage and stolen goods. Oh, my. (laughs) Just in the first, like, five episodes, we have over a billion dollars of fraud on the show. Just in the first five episodes. I mean, there's just no, there's no comparison. It's the fact that, you know, one part of it is, this is business. This is capitalism. 
you know, caveat emptor, buyer beware. You should be able to know what a good deal is. American freedom means that you can make your own decisions. You know, I always say that, you know, American, you know, freedom is also the freedom to be deceived and the, the freedom mm-hmm. to be conned. And people in America are like so okay with that. And a lot of times the victims don't want to admit that they've been defrauded. And that's, I think, another huge reason why folks don't come forward or you don't have as much um, kind of publicity around these things. Because who wants to come out and be like, hey, this guy lied and I gave him a lot of money. And right. Like, you know, or well, like it's I was going to say that also I think that like the the spin on those things, too, is it's like, oh, you're stupid for being frauded. But yeah. sometimes these people are just so good at what they do and they prey upon the thing that you are the weakest around. Exactly. Maybe like your dead mother, like trying to reach out to her. Mm. Right. That then um, they there shouldn't be so much shame around being trapped by these people so that we can like out them more easily it's Mm. good that we have vulnerabilities we want a society Mm. where people can feel vulnerable the problem is we don't want a society where people take advantage of those vulnerabilities and i think that's what pissed me off the most the 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 origin of the show was like me actually reading this article on like i think it was like cannabis stocks or something like that and how someone was Mm. saying this is too crazy this is almost like uniprime from the late 90s where they said they Mm. cured aids and i was like wait what (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, what? Why did, and there was a one line, this like, uh, this like, you know, journalist just like put it in the article. And I was like, oh my God. So I looked it up and we did an episode on this. And this guy who's a, a, a former carny convinces a CEO that he's an immunologist and says, I've got the cure for AIDS. And then this guy goes and takes the cure and puts out a press release and says, we've got the cure for AIDS. And to your earlier point, the the carny creates biographies of the patients that he mm. said he cured, creates like this entire history. So there is a certain amount of intellect that goes into these con artists, mm-hmm. but there's actually, I think, more just like dedication to the con. They just work hard at the con. It's not like they woke up. It's You can't just do this from your couch. You've got to balance a lot in your head. You've got to be willing to have, you know, a near sociopathic ability mm-hmm. to, to like not have emotion. And you need to just constantly be, you know, defrauding people, constantly keeping the con going, which is so hard. And obviously, in that case, it, everything blew up shortly after. But listen to the episode. It's really fun. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. incredible. It's all, every episode, every series we do, just bl- it gets worse and worse, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, just hope. when you think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the episodes don't get worse and worse. It's just the cons. That the cons exactly. get worse and worse. The episodes the get better, yeah. yeah. The episodes are getting Amazing. better and better. Who what was that girl that uh that did the very recently, she was like a young blonde woman. She like made the cover of all the magazines and then she had like a turtleneck all the time. She was trying to be <laughs> she was like trying to Anna be- Delvey. Yep. Yeah. Anna, Anna Sorokin actually was her birth name. Uh, Anna Delvey is this name she kind of brought up when she was um, when she was an intern. She could, this was like her fashionable name. She's she's going to be let out of prison in uh, short order here uh, on parole. She may get deported back to Germany uh, almost immediately. Uh, <laughs> but I what do they do Germany. with her there then? I don't know what they're going to do there, but she's definitely not going to be allowed in the United States. Um, so tell us the story. So Anna, okay, so we're to begin <laughs> with this one. She's an amazing story. But one of the reasons we did 
the story on herbs because she was so popular in New York City here especially. And if there's something that gets me going is when rich people in the Upper West Side get hosed by some fraudster <laughs> that doesn't have any money. And normally we try to talk about victims that are, you know, reg- I don't want to say regular people, but like, you know, regular Americans, right? That, that are people that are vulnerable in the more traditional ways. We don't necessarily think of wealthy people as vulnerable, but anyone can be a vulnerable person that could be a victim of fraud, anyone. And so she always had this idea of being a very powerful person, of being a successful person. And so she started off at a fashion magazine uh, in France. Then she came over and was working for the same magazine in New York City. And then she just started doing the thing that we all never thought we would ever do, right? And that's going to the clubs and closing deals. And she would <laughs> go to the clubs and be like, oh, I've got this. Do you know this person? And she would just party with people make it seem like she was a rich heiress the whole time, making people think she was super wealthy. And do you guys know the key to making it seem like you're a wealthy heiress? Tell us the secret. (laughs) You just got to be like a stone cold asshole and be completely annoyed with everyone taking up your time. And that's what she did. And she was just like terrible to everybody except a few people here and there who she brought into her inner circle. And she was able to kind of create this social capital for herself. Now, how did she actually make any money? Well, she did this thing (laughs) called check kiting. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but that was in the episode. We did this very elaborate explanation on check kiting. because It's a weird (laughs) thing. But like in short, it's basically like you have two bank accounts and you write it and say you want you have like one hundred dollars in one and $50 in another, and you want to, like, withdraw some money, you're like, oh, you only got $50 of this one. So what if you wrote a check from the other one to the to the $50 bank for, like, let's say $100 or $200 or something? You still have those three days for the check to clear. Mm-hmm. So these banks will post the, the, you know, post the amount of money to your account, she didn't do it for $100 or $50. She did it for thousands upon thousands of dollars. So when you go to get a loan, let's say, which is also another way rich people get money, is they just debt finance themselves. They look at her account. They're like, oh, she's got $50,000. Meanwhile, she's really got like $2, right? And it's like mm-hmm. actually $49,998 less. And so they make it seem like they have a lot more money than they do. Did I explain that correctly? Now I know why we did an yeah. elaborate explanation on this on the show. So then does the so if like if the does the check just bounce then on the other end when they're like, Oh, you don't yeah. have this money? They're like, Oh, the okay, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh but for a minute it looks like she's rich. Exactly. Mm, and then genius. she goes and she makes relationships with the bankers. See, you guys like when don't you're... try this at home, okay? Exactly. Yeah, don't do this. Appealing. Don't do it. You're gonna get in trouble. It is a federal <laughs> crime. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Wait, but how uh, old is she? How old is she now? She's still. I mean, when? How old was she when she, she started doing all these cons? She was just in her twenties. She was just Ear- in her early to mid twenties. I think now she's probably God. thirty now. I believe or early thirties. Yeah, 30s she's super now. young. She, yeah, she's just getting out now. Um, in the next month or month month or so here. Well, what blows my mind about her is that she would be friends, like you said, she was an asshole to a lot of people, but then she would. Befriend just a couple people, like the front desk guy at her hotel that she was living in. 
That or, was, yeah. Yeah, that was so, so I read about this because, um, uh, even before Fraudsters, because I actually had an audition for Inventing Anna, which is going to be on Netflix. Um, right. It's created and produced by Shonda Rhimes. So I had an audition for this last year and then immediately was like, well, I got to do my research for the, you know, since I'm going to have one line as a flight attendant for this stupid audition that I did not get. It's fine. But um, <laughs> so I was like studying who she was and like they, I guess the cut in uh, New York Magazine did a full write up on her. And it was really like it, it really glorified kind of like the con in a way. Like I read it and was like, this girl is cool. Which like, I mean, she frauded people out of millions of dollars. And here we are being like, she's so cool. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. But like, she, she was mean to some people and then really kind to others. And then I guess the article and what you guys discussed on fraudsters, like she would take her friends on trips or go out to fancy elaborate dinners and then be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot my wallet in Marrakesh. (laughs) It's like, did she take her friend? What was the story? uh, Rachel Williams is like a, um, she was like a photography editor for Vanity Fair at the time. And even during that time, like she had already like jumped the check on a couple restaurants, her hotel that she was staying at. Because one of the things she also did was like she told the hotel that they were going to wire transfer the hotel money for her stay. Mm. And she would stay at hotels for like a month at a time. So like if you're super mm. wealthy, you don't have to show the money. You know the money's mm-hmm. good for it. You know, mm-hmm. you just so bring crazy. the money in. They're like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Let me talk to my family office, you know, person. They'll they'll get the money, which is just like code for I'm uber wealthy. So one of these trips that she took with her friend was to Marrakesh because she just wanted to get out of town. And they they went to this like eight star resort that was, you know, out of like a out of a movie or something. And she racks up this huge bill and then she just asks her friend to pay for everything. And she's like, don't worry, I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back. And this friend, you know, as privileged as she was. She had some money, but then she also had the Vanity Fair business card. So she just puts oh, a ton of it just God. on the company card. Oh, and Vanity Fair is like, oh, shame on you, Rachel. You know, imagine if that happened, if you worked at like a, you know, like a fucking Bed Bath & Beyond. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we're going to kill you now. We're going to hang yeah. you yeah. in the fucking <laughs> linen section now. You're fucking dead. So, but Rachel Williams now, like she's she's like become famous because of the scandal, also, right? Listen, I mean, we talked to the lawyer for Anna as well, and he said, you know, even on the stand, you know, he said he's like, didn't you sign a deal with HBO to do a thing? She goes, yes. Didn't you write a book about this uh, that sold X number of copies? Yes. Isn't this the greatest thing that's ever happened to you? And she like didn't answer (laughs) that. She was the least you know, a a trustworthy kind of victim in all of this. And that's why it's weird. You know, I want to make it clear, you know, what she did was terrible, right? It's the fact that the victims here are kind of wealthy people Mm -hmm. where I think a a little bit of us is like, fuck yeah. I don't do that shit too. We do that shit too. And Americans love a underdog story, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's somebody, you know, it's the Robin Hood kind of like, Stealing from the rich and giving, well, I don't know about giving to the poor, but just <laughs> taking for themselves. <laughs> and so, like you said, the, I think the badass part of it is just that, like, we all wish we could do a little bit of that, I think, to some extent. 
But imagine if you were the server at one of the restaurants where she was just, I can't remember the name of the person she said, but it was some hilarious name. Uh, It was like, I'm blah, blah, blah. It's like, like niece. She'll be by to pay the bill. Imagine you're the server. You're like, well, what the fuck? And then you just, you know, this is, this is your day now. You got to deal with some lunatic. Some fancy girl who won't fucking pay her bill keeps saying some elaborate name to you that that this person's gonna come pay it. So it's it's really a very difficult thing to reconcile in your own head. But knowing that there's such huge gaps in our society or in our like system that allow people like Anna to take advantage of them, like she was about to get you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans from an investment firm to build the Anna Delvey Foundation, which was going to be like a Soho house for young artists. And if she would have gotten that, like she she probably would have never gotten caught. You know, mm-hmm. she would have been in that like high finance debt kind of financing kind of world where you just kind of keep flipping your money over and over and over again, much like our president being able to go bankrupt seven times. You mm-hmm. can be broke and still be wealthy, you know? And so that's, mm-hmm a privilege that wealthy people get to have in this country. Mm-hmm. Mm. So how did she get caught ultimately? She's so uh, <laughs> Rachel want two things. One, she got written up in the New York post because she skipped uh, out on a restaurant bill. And they were like at one, you know, the one restaurant was just like, listen, you have to pay the fucking bill. We're not letting you. It's like, yeah. it'd be like $200. She had like, three glasses of wine and two grilled cheeses, which I remember distinctly being like, that is such an impressive lunch. That is, a, <laughs> I've never ordered a second sandwich ever at a lunch. I don't know. It's such an amazing power move. Yeah. I'll take another. And then all this wine. And so she's got a buzz, you know, she's like, I'm not paying the bill. She gets arrested. Her photo shows up in the New York post, rich socialite you know, arrested for, you know, skipping out. And then all of a sudden, the whole Upper West Side that knew her was like, wait a minute, isn't that Anna? Isn't that the Anna we know? And Rachel, at that point, goes and tells the FBI what happened. And then the FBI starts investigating. And then once the FBI finds out you've been, you know, fucking with their money, basically, right. <laughs> you know, it's a wrap. They're going to get you pretty quick. Oh, my gosh. How long has she been in jail for then? Um, I think only a... A few years. Just yeah, it doesn't seem like it's been very long. And now she's getting out. And now she has um, two TV shows coming out about her. She w- is already successful. She did. Yeah. This was the best <laughs> thing. If this was an elaborate plan, she did an amazing job of it. And right. that's the thing about America. She's going to go to prison. She's going to spend time at Rikers. She's defrauded all these people, probably made some people's lives really terrible, and they didn't get a book deal. I'm talking about the folks that are working at the hotels mm-hmm. or the folks that are mm-hmm. working at the restaurants and stuff like that. And she's going to come out, and she's got a Shonda Rhimes project, so you know that's like a cool, I don't know, seven-figure number there for that. And then the HBO thing, or is they both? Netflix is Shonda Rhimes. HBO is a yeah. different thing. Two things. So it's like, forget about it. She's She made it. She did it. She's she going to build it. the Anna Delvey Foundation. And she's <laughs> more successful than the three of us combined who have been tirelessly working at our careers and our crafts Trying for to 20 do it years. the right way. I know. That's infuriating. 
Oh God. Well, do you? Here, here's a question I have too. In your studies of fraud, different fraudsters, do you find that once a fraudster, always a fraudster? Like, how likely is it that when she comes out, she won't be able to control herself and will be just having, you know, just lie about other things and end up back in jail eventually? Time, time will tell. There's this thing called the, um, like the fraud triangle. And, and so there's like different points on it and like the reasons that people go into fraud. Right. And one of the major points of it is the rationalization part. If I only get this one more thing, then I won't have to keep the Ponzi scheme up anymore. If I just got this loan from the bank, I can make the Anna Delvey foundation and I can pay everyone off anymore. And that's like the rationalization and the pressure of that is like, I have to keep the fraud going and everything like that. Right. And then like the opportunity, right? So she has the opportunity because she's a fancy person. Uh, she has the pressure that she has to keep it going and then she could rationalize it to herself. If that last part of, of some of those things are taken off, if she doesn't have the pressure, right, to actually have to do this anymore, if she doesn't have to rationalize it because she has the money, then she may not need to do it. But then we also see stories like Barry Minko, which is I think out now, that guy's been just, Doing fraud, he was he's a completely habitual fraudster. He could mm -hmm. not stop. He could not stop. Even when he got out, I mean, <laughs> he started, became a lead pastor in a church and took the, those people's money. I mean, he's, uh, there are just fraudsters out there that are constantly doing it. But I think we got to go into like, what is inside of like the human condition? And this is the answer I still haven't gotten really a clear one from any of the experts that we've talked to. What is it inside of us that allows us to both defraud people in this way when we know what we're doing is really wrong and is going to hurt them really badly, right? Emotionally, physically, financially. And then what allows us to be defrauded? What allows us to be so gullible? And those are two things that I think it's going to take a while for me to answer or for someone to answer for us or figure out. Yeah. From the fraud angle, you know what it kind of reminds me of is like war and, you know, the way just this idea of just power you know people just want to, and and when you tell that it does not surprise me at all when people do relapse back into fraud because it's like a drug to be able to control other people for some you know and I think that we all have a tiny bit of that at least and then it's like you know how how much of it do you have in your or how much has that Pandora's box been opened in your heart you know exactly, in any given exactly. moment and like you, we go through this and I check myself a lot of times. I'm like, am I a fraudster? Am I doing something? <laughs> yeah. Like, am I, what am I doing? What am I doing? What have I done? And, yeah. What have I done? You know, Ooh, there was that time in high school where, <laughs> you know, that's not really how I felt about that girl. I should have broken up with her for different reasons. Uh, it's, I don't know. <laughs> There's all right. these things where you're like, you, you start second guessing yourself, but then just the fact that you second guess yourself, I've realized right. also means you're not a fraudster because mm, you have feelings. Right. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to ask, do you have a favorite fraudster of all time? No, I don't. I don't have a favorite. They're all terrible people. They're all terrible. <laughs> <laughs> They're all really, really bad. I think what we just finished up with Barry Minko, he is maybe one of the worst fraudsters of all time. I really, I did. It really shook me to my core how much he was able to take advantage of vulnerable people at every level of society, mm -hmm. including the mafia. He took advantage of mob guys. And I was like, wow. oh, my, my, who speaks for them? 
Who speaks <laughs> for the victims of the mob? Well, it's interesting with him. It started with his grandmother, didn't it? I mean, it's your he own. Took his once grandmother's able... pearls. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think once a fraudster like just starts with like family and then just moves up, like he he definitely has a mental something. Yeah, there's going something. On. Something is wrong with him for sure. And 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 frankly, again, like there's a spectrum, and everyone in in a, in the world is on this spectrum of how much we're able to put on a different face for the different situations we're in, right? We mm-hmm. all of us have a performance voice that we use when we're on a microphone. That doesn't mean we're fucking fraudsters, but it right. is but it is like a spectrum and that's what's right. so interesting about it. And I'm just trying to draw the line. Just be like this is the line cuz I just want <laughs> in my life I just want to go to sleep and know that I'm not a fucking fraudster. Like this is the line. <laughs> I was like, fuck this. This guy is a piece of shit. You know, too often we don't know who's a piece of shit and who's not. That's what I want to know. Who is a real piece of shit? These people. Boom. <laughs> that's so interesting. That's interesting that that's part of your like drive because it makes me think right. too of um like in relationships, right? Where you have like a guy that, you know, was ne- neg- neglecting his girlfriend and was a bad boyfriend, you know? And so then from your perspective or you're like, he's a bad guy. There's my line. I'm drawing that mm. line. But then in the next relationship, maybe that guy is lo- is really in love with his next girlfriend and then is much sweeter and then she breaks his heart. Now he's the good guy and she's the bad guy. So it's like there are there is this weird middle point and I'm sure that's similar with fraudsters in the sense that like because it's a spectrum, there are some frauds that are like who's who is getting... Mm. Who you know? Th- th- then we're in the like P- not Peter Pan, but uh, Robin Hood like place, right? Mm. In that little weird little. It's gonna be hard for you to find that line, Cena. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, look, Miss Cleo. But it's, a, but it's yeah. a great, yeah, thing to look for. Miss Cleo, what? Yeah, Miss Cleo. We started, you know, on her, and Justin and I were like, "Shit, whoa, what a fraudster this one." She did this whole elaborate uh, phone operator thing, but when you dig into it. You realize she was just kind of a a, a character actor who got a gig, right. <laughs> and then it really spiraled. You know right. what I mean? And, <laughs> right. and then she and was what just actor? like, what it, yeah. "Okay, going with the flow now." Yeah. <laughs> like, also, I love that when we put out the our first episode or two, we got a lot of comments on the internet, which I love the internet. Thank you, internet, for being so inclusive and wonderful. People are like, <laughs> I don't like that they're doing impressions of a Jamaican uh, accent. Who are these white guys that are talking about him and, <laughs> and talking about her? And it's like, one, we're making fun of her fake Jamaican accent. Right, right. And two... <laughs> Justin's black. I'm from the Middle East. Like, let's just right. we actually had one person <laughs> clarify. One person came back was just like, um, I thought that was really offensive what they did, but then I realized that the, they're they're not white guys, and then I'm then I that I'm white, and I'm trying to reflect on my life now. So, <laughs> people are just crazy, man. But yeah. yes, amazing. Are you planning? Are you have? Do you, are you thinking? Are you like over it and like no, I can't? But have you thought about doing one on Donald Trump? Yeah, so I, that's most requested fraudster. Uh, and I have a couple things about Donald Trump. One, like, 
Again, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't want to hear his voice. Right. Because there's a lot of, I have to like wash myself in YouTube clips of right. the fraudster uh-huh. to do the show. So that's like a mental health thing that I want to also right. do. Yes. Oh my the gosh, other thing yes. is, what can we do that's different than what's already out there? You know, right. Alex, Alex Gibney uh, did that series on Netflix. I think it's called um, Dirty Money. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen it, it's amazing. Alex Gibney is like an amazing documentarian as well. Uh, did one on torture, taxi to the dark side, did one on Stuxnet. He's amazing. He's what am I going to do better than him? Like he's like, he's so good. One of the things I would like to do though, is after Trump is in out of office, the foundation, his family, the Kushners, Mm -hmm. they all may be brought up on fraud charges, actually Mm -hmm. civil Mm -hmm. fraud charges, potentially. Uh, It seems like more than criminal. And so I may do something on that afterwards because that'll be something that hopefully or probably the media will not cover in the same way they're covering it as if he was president so that way it'll Mm. give us a little bit of space from when he's out of office because this is going to take at least a year to adjudicate that in new york city here and so i want to be able to say something new and have a a fresh perspective on it Mm. yeah did you see the thing that just came i just saw something yesterday about how jared kushner okayed like a shell company for the trump for trump did you hear? Oh, I, I didn't see that. What? Shell I don't, I don't companies, know the though. You guys got a shell yeah. company? No. no. You oh. guys need a shell company. Everybody, oh. every American needs a shell company. <laughs> well, what I like what you do about the fraudsters is you they they've all been I, if I am saying this right they've all been convicted. So when you tell the full series of a of a fraudster, we usually do like three parts, three episodes per fraudster. But it's like the full story, the beginning, and then we see it through to the end of conviction. So yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, th- is that why you pick the people? Yeah, that you that's pick? generally what we're we try to do because um, we're not journalists. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm not trying to like have the same journalistic uh, rigor that like the New York mm-hmm. Times or, you know, the Washington Post or any of these other places have that could tell a story accurately without um, like a, a court process. What's great mm-hmm. about a legal process or the court process is that they do a lot of work to make sure that the facts that they are presenting, mm-hmm. both sides actually agree on or a jury agrees on. And for me, as just like a trained lawyer, that's like, okay. This for me is the reality that I can work within. And then I'll, we'll put our own spin and opinion and comedy on top of all of that. It's just an easier way to do it as opposed to trying to like, oh, let me call this guy to make sure mm-hmm. he's not bullshitting about this thing. And this thing is not bullshitting mm-hmm. about that thing. At least we have a foundational kind of place to start from. Um, but we may divert a little bit from that with some of the fraudsters that are coming up here because some of them are just too funny not to talk about. So <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Oh, uh, well, we just adore you, Cena. Everything we, you do, I adore really. You guys. This oh, is, well, I mean, thank this is you. awesome to be on the show. I can't believe it. This is I didn't think you guys <laughs> ever want me on the show. This is very sweet. I really appreciate it. You're amazing. We <laughs> do love you. We've always loved you so much. You're so such a charming, delightful human being. And the show is really great. And I think I'm sure our listeners will be interested in hearing it. Um, you can never have enough podcasts. So um, I'm excited. Where can yeah. where can our listeners find it? Well, you know, exclusively on Spotify, and it's free on Spotify. I just reasoned my sister-in-law was just like, how much do you have to pay for your podcast? I was like, it's free. 
It is a free show. <laughs> there you go. Anti-fraudster right there. It is a free, free show. You list us some ads. Sometimes we put in some fake ads there just to keep you on your toes, uh, which is funny because I can see in the in the data that people skip even our fake ads, which is always fun. Because uh, they think they're real. I'm like, yes, that's good. So. <laughs> and where can people find you on social media? Oh, at Cena now, S-E-N-A-N-O-W on all social media, including TikTok, which I'm not really using, but I just like to say it to make it seem like I'm cool. I've got two videos on TikTok. Look at We out. just joined TikTok and oh man, I don't understand. What a shit show. But it's, you know, it's the world we live in now. This is it, you know? It's great. <laughs> We got to oh all gosh. bow down to the uh, robot overlords that control our careers now. <laughs> yes, true, very true. Hey, Reformed oh. Horse, how many viral videos do you have on TikTok? Like, fucking kill myself, right? I just want to die. I want to die. I know. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, well, thank you so much for making time for us. Again, course, you are incredible. Anytime. Everybody, please listen to Fraudster. Cena works so hard on this podcast every <laughs> single week. And you're putting out good content. It's fascinating. It's educational. And it'll probably make you a better person once you listen. <laughs> I hope so. Thank I, you. I agree. Thank you both. Thank you. Uh, so much fun to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> it's that wonderful time of year again. But this year's a little bit off. Jingle bells chiming while I'm FaceTiming. So I'm not exposed. 